Welcome to episode two of The Healing Tapes. A raw and uncut look into transformative healing through self-reflection, self-acknowledgement, and self-assessing. Here we talk about what it takes to have what it takes. There are many modes to healing, self-care, honesty, therapy, holding yourself and others accountable, journaling, crying, and connecting. Here we'll talk about it all. So come here with me on The Healing Tapes. Okay, episode two, we're here. Um, So I have my little mic set up and I'm super excited. I feel pretty official. Um, It feels good. I don't know, you know, again, this is, you're learning with me. So I love learning together. (laughs) I love learning together. Um, I want this episode to be, so I wanted to do, and maybe this won't be the only episode dedicated to shame and some feelings that I have surrounding the topic, but I thought this would be a really good place to start. So last episode I mentioned briefly around processing feelings of shame, um, what that process looks like, how internalization feels like it's on the other end of that. And I think being at a place that I am at now with it, um, after doing that like shadow work and, um, you know, admitting some truths around some things that made me feel shameful and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I want to talk about what it took to get there. First of all, it wasn't like I was born addressing things that made me feel embarrassed <laughs> 10, 15, 20 years ago, you know? So essentially I got into this topic. So I don't know if you're familiar with Brene Brown. Um, I watch her TED Talks probably way more than I'm afraid to admit, but originally I think it was in 2016, I came across her video on vulnerability. And that was a time in my life where vulnerability was just a word. Honestly, I'm not even going to lie to you. I was probably like, what, 22, 23. And I had been living in Newark, New Jersey. I had just moved there. Um, I kind of had a routine set of going to Yonkers and visiting my grandmother. And although, you know, I wanted to heal that relationship, somehow, 22-year-old me thought it was a good idea to go to my grandmother's house in Yonkers in the weekends when I did visit her, maybe like probably did it only once, twice, three times. And I get, I'm there with her one Sunday and I'm like, oh, let's watch some YouTube videos. And I put on Brene Brown vulnerability. Why? Why did I do that? I have no idea. I don't know if I thought it was a flex, but it didn't turn out to be. And actually kind of ended with my grandmother being like, can you please turn this off? Like, I'm not feeling this, you know, it's making me sad. You know, it's making me think about things I don't want to think about, essentially, you know, and and it was triggering for her. So that's what I did. I turned it off. Looking back, I don't know what made me do that, why I felt like doing that. I don't know if I thought that it would be a catalyst to some type of change and opening up about our relationship, but it just wasn't. It was more like a closed case, right? So now here I am um, 
in therapy at 26 years old. I was going to say 27. I'm not 27 yet. I keep doing that. I don't know why. But at 26 years old and my therapist recommends that I watch uh, Brene Brown on shame. And, I, and I'm like, I probably briefly seen it before, like at that time period. But again, these were just words to me. You know, I'm, I'm not a kid, but I'm like not, you know, these were topics that I loved to talk about and I was interested in. And, you know, I had been reading tarot already then, um, things that we talked about doing that, but it wasn't like it was something that I was just practicing. And I think that that's why, you know, I like to talk about the differences in <laughs> preaching and practicing and you know, you could say one thing and, and exhibit another, and I think it's really important. We're human beings. We're we're gonna be hypocritical in some areas of our life. That's just, and especially with social media. Are you kidding me? That's just a given. You can't. No one's putting all their business out there, which is a perfect mode. You know, perfect leeway into shame, right? Um, I think that social media is like a playground a festering playground of shame because it's so easy to get behind a keyboard and, and be like, and my favorite one. And I do it too. Um, maybe not, you know, around situations that pertain to me, but I've done it and be like, I don't know who needs to hear this, but such and such and such. And it's just kind of like, you know, it, it could be a learning lesson that you've learned and you want to put it back out there, but it's like a weird thing of like calling somebody out. Somebody else kind of feels shame. And then you're, kind of being subliminal about it. You get what I'm saying? Like, I think social media can be a total, like, <laughs> maybe we can make that a whole other episode, but can be a total festering ground for shame because we're not getting up there and talking about, you know, our debt. I mean, some of us do, but, you know, we're not getting up on there talking about cars getting repossessed. We're not getting up on there talking about kids getting phone calls home from school. And we're, we're not getting up there talking about our breakup. You know, um, we want people to see the best side of us. So with shame, it's really practicing what you preach in a way. And I've learned that shame is just as much as a tool as intuition. What happens is, okay, let me dial it back a little bit just for myself because I feel like I have, I'm like so many different thoughts going on at one time. And Brene Brown's shame, and I watched this, I probably, my therapist said, hey, Asia, like, you know, I told her one day, I said, I never realized how much shame and embarrassment and sadness I had around certain areas of my life um, until my relationship, my last relationship ended. And I realized I was in that relationship for so long because I had been so vulnerable about things I don't like being vulnerable about. And I felt shame about, and I felt like they accepted me because of these things. Does that make sense? Right? So that kind of kept me, what, trauma bonded to the person. Um, out of comfortability after a while. It's like, I love this person. I don't feel like I can be this open with anybody else. So I'm going to stay there. But actually, I just needed to be open in general and look, you know, where I am now being open in general. Um, but after saying that, she's like, you really should watch this piece on shame. And I'm like, now I'm 26 years old. 
these words that, you know, these concepts that I was looking at, just Googling, looking up and, you know, not really using them as names and titles and poems and things like that. I hadn't addressed it. I hadn't really asked myself, do I feel these things? Where do these things come from? What parts of me have this these feelings? I hadn't did that work. <laughs> I had not have done that work. What? No. But, um, you know, so they were just concepts to me. But now, at this point in my life, because of I'm addressing these issues and they're coming up, I'm like, oh, my goodness, like, I know what this is about. So once I watched that video, what I started to do, and I, and I mentioned in the last episode, is I started to come to work every day the same way I would check in with myself, um, write about how I felt, write about, you know, whatever was on my mind. I would also address some shame. And I actually have my notebook here. Um, and I won't, obviously, <laughs> for obvious reasons, won't sit and list um, everything. But what I will say is that, you know, I love tangible examples. Um, I, right now, I'm in the process of trying to get my license. I have been in a really bad accident with my brother and my father in like May of 2000, actually. And the only reason I know the month is because my brother, um, my second brother had just been born like two weeks. He's only two weeks old. And so we got into this really bad accident. It wasn't our fault. You know, there's other details that, you know, I'm not going to put out there because they don't directly, it's not my business, you know. But ultimately, um, it was a bad accident. Car was totaled. We didn't get a car again until I was like 16, 17. So now my two parents who both work, a family of five, five kids, we were on the bus. We were walking. Um, it didn't slow down how much we did as a family, but I knew that there were times, especially in high school, where you know people that didn't like me or people, whatever, I wouldn't say that, just people that I didn't speak to would see me um, on the bus to see me walking at bus stops with my family. And I had internalized an incredible amount of shame from that um, already, you know, because I didn't see anybody else doing it. But then also I go to school and that's used against me, right? So now as an adult, this is something that I just genuinely struggle with. I don't know, you know, at first it was a fear, but I had started, you know, driving friends' cars that like maybe I was like a designated driver like one time with a flex, right? Then I realized that I'm not afraid of it. It's not scary. I think I overthought it. You know, I would have dreams about it at night and I'd go, oh my God, how am I going to do this as a teenager? But when I got into my 20s, it was less scary and just more something I avoided. Like I just genuinely avoided it. I wasn't spending money getting an instructor. I didn't know how to address the anxiety that I had around it, even though I wasn't scared. It was still anxiety provoking for me, right? Thinking, oh my God, I would get into an accident. Might as well not even start, right? So now it has grown to a full blown. Like I can do it, but there's aspects of it that are difficult. But I have a great amount of shame and I'm working through it now about the topic in general. So, for example, I've dated people who I don't think I've ever dated somebody who didn't have a car or didn't 
drive, right? And some of the people that I've dated that, you know, did drive, didn't have a car, there were times in the relationship where that was kind of used against me or if it wasn't used against me, there were times where I was kind of like judged for it or mocked for it. And and that wasn't everybody. Please do not think everybody. There were people who respected me, who was like, shoot, listen, I wish I could be like that too. Like, I, I, I hate driving. Or, oh, I can teach you, you know. There are people who... who who didn't judge me for it, but there were some that didn't. Of course, we know, you know, we can get a bunch of compliments, bunch of positive reactions, but the negative ones are going to stick out because we're human beings. So I internalized even more shame about it, you know, and then being in a relationship where um, that was like the main, probably one of the main topics of discussion. I mean, I was so shameful about it that when I was dating people, I was paying them money, giving, offering gas money for the littlest things. Or even if we went on dates, I felt like I, the one who had to pay something or, you know, I'm trying to say like I had to do extra and overcompensate to to show that I'm, I'm not all bad just because I don't have a license, right? Um, shame is just as much as a tool for your decision-making or for any part of life as your intuition. And because you have to get a hold on that because what happens is you project, I'm overcompensating for something that I can't really help or that I'm trying to and it's not working. And it, that's just what it is. You know what I'm saying? If someone wants to be around me, wants to be there with me or whatever, they're going to want to be around me for me and has nothing to do with if I have a vehicle or not. But somehow in my brain, that's what I translated to. Okay. So when I say shame is a tool is because there are parts of that where I have to decipher now. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> I get to decipher now who genuinely likes me for me and because they can accept that part of me. But a year or two ago, I was not processing the feelings that way. Absolutely not. I was thinking to myself, oh, my God, I got to do more than the minimum or whatever, do more than the requirement because I'm so lucky that they even have me in their car. Crazy, right? And deep, um, I can't even believe I'm saying this. Like, I really can't. But I'm working through it. And that's the whole part, part of this project. This whole part of the podcast. So shame could be used as a tool. And then, you know, yesterday I was um, doing some research research on, on it a little bit. And, and shame, and like I said, you know, it goes, that process, there's an internalization piece where you're like, oh, my God, look at all these things that I took on that were never mine to begin with, guess what? Can I tell you? <laughs> Can I tell you that I had grown up in that space that us not having a vehicle and my, we finally got one 16, 17. I had grown up, what, 10 years of my life with my dad internalizing the fact that he was a grown man with a family and he didn't have a vehicle. So what do you think I felt like as being his kid, listening to it, being around it, hearing it? Hello? I'm going to feel the same way. I don't got no kids. I don't got five kids. I Really, if I didn't want to drive, I didn't have to. But because I see other people around me doing it and because I see um, 
people I'm with, you know, struggle with that aspect. Oh, I got car payments or I got insurance or, oh, you know, I got just as many bills as you got. That's just one that I don't have. You get what I'm saying? But for me, I felt like I had to match that all the time. Um, which, of course, if it's someone whose requirements is I need to have a girlfriend with a car, then we don't have nothing to talk about because I don't have that at the time. You know what I'm saying? This is how shame is used in working on your shame is used as a toolkit, some a tool in your toolbox, you know, because it's like it, it shows you what isn't isn't for you. Um, and what isn't what isn't isn't yours. And I talked about that briefly last episode as well. So then you talk about internalization, right? Um you get to address the parts of you that hey, like, I don't even think I feel this way, or hey, this don't even affect me as bad as others make it seem, but because others make it seem that way, um, this is where I'm at. So then now where do you get? (laughs) You get to morals, you get to standards, you get to values. This is really a process. And I'm like, it's just as important as your intuition. Like, you can meet someone and be like, your gut just tell you no, right? Shame and hear you say, you know, someone will say something shameful to you or project onto you, and you hear it and you're like, no, that's not mine. That's not mine. You know, um, an example of that could be with, you know, body types, perfect society and body type. You could be somebody who is not the quote unquote typical um, body type and still you know, be confident in yourself. And I love this. I saw this earlier, the comments that, uh, uh, who was, I think it was Chica. It was, it was a meme and it was like, you know, you don't comment under skinny women's pictures and say, oh, you're so brave, which you'll do it to plus size women, right? Same thing. Why would I internalize that when I don't feel like I'm being so brave by taking a picture. I don't, my confidence don't got to be on X game mode to exist as a bigger woman. And I think that that's a perfect example of projection of, of shame about body um, standards that not everybody is, is dealing with. But, you know, you can have your stuff, but you know what's yours and what's not. So I think that, um, deciphering through that internalization and then realizing what someone's projecting on you is how you use this as an a gift. That's a gift. And I and I can tell you um I probably didn't think of this as a gift a month ago. <laughs> I promise you I didn't. I'm like I'm paying all this money for driving lessons and I feel like I'm not learning nothing and I still got a anxiety and this ain't helping me. Um, maybe it was never even about that in general, but it was about addressing how I felt about it, you know? Um, I think it's beneficial and you don't have to do, this is obviously a grander scale. Like you never just have to, um, expose yourself. You don't have to. And that's another thing too. I feel like it's a spiral, right? Um, You start at baseline, whatever you are dealing with, and then 
the more you keep it hidden, the more you keep it a secret, the more it's, it's plaguing you. And not that you have to go put your, you know, insecurities or what you're feeling on front street, but as long as you know. And then as long as you're addressing that with those closest to you that could be affected by that. I think now on the other side of it, or because this is not going to be the only thing that I'm going to have to go through this process with, and this is not going to, you know, the one singular event or whatever is causing you that shame is not going to be the only thing that you're going to have to work through when it comes to the shame, right? But on the other side of it really is how you find your morals and your value system. It's just really how you gauge that. And this, again, is so funny because I'm like, this could be elementary to me. Maybe somebody listening knew this already, but this seems like a whole new world to me, um, a whole new place. I, I'm i like, oh, my gosh, now I could go uh, write down what my expectations are in an individual, somebody that I could feel safe with, somebody that I could tell these things to, somebody that knows what I'm feeling and how I'm feeling and when I express it, it's not put down or um, one of the ways, and, and I'm going to give, and, and you know, I'm going to give another example of how it shouldn't look when you talk to someone about your shame and, you know, guilt that you could be feeling. It's, it shouldn't be met with, um, you know, someone, I don't know if this ever happened to anybody, but you know, you ever tell somebody what's going on or they'll ask you, someone can ask you because to be quite honest, I, I'm kind of like nervous when it comes to expressing my uh, feelings, you know? So someone could ask me or someone can ask you, oh, what's going on? And then you tell them exactly what's going on. You know, when someone's like, <laughs> how are you doing today? You know, you really just want to be like, or you really just typically society says, to just be like, I'm good, how are you? Um, but when you're closer with somebody, you have a, a closer relationship with them and they ask you, how are you? And what's going on with you? It could be the, your person you're in a relationship with. And you're like, well, <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. Um, X, Y, Z, this is going on. I'm feeling like this, uh, yada, yada, yada. And they're like, oh, well, that's, that's a lot. That's too much. That's my favorite. Oh, that's too much. Oh, that is a lot. And what is that going to do? That's going to put you further down a spiral. Like that to me, I'd rather you be like, wow, you know, I don't think I can hold space for you right now. You know, whatever. But that right there is what gets us into a further spiral of shame. It's nothing like, and that could be something that I um, went through in the past that puts me in a position now of not being as open about my feelings. But imagine that, imagine a kid, even if you were a child and you had a parent, you were a kid and you're like, hey, this happened to me. This went on, uh, this, you know, this person hurt my feelings or this, this happened. And then there's two adverse reactions, right? Um, especially as a child that sets you up for some attachment issues and I want to do an episode on attachment theory as well because I'm really, really big on that. But there's the reaction of what? 
oh, that's too much or, oh, you know, dismissive. And then there's the extreme of, well, what are we going to do about her? And then that sets you up for, oh, my God, if I say something, either it's going to be not listened to, not heard, or it's going to be acted out, put on front street, and literally, <laughs> like, full-blown exposed, and there's an extreme reaction. I think that's why people tell you to try to be stay calm in, in situations, but when you're expressing how you feel about yourself or, or something or telling someone um, shameful parts of you or what you think is shameful, it could be different. But those are the two things you don't want to hear. <laughs> you don't want somebody to be like, oh, oh my God, you're disgusting. You don't want somebody to be like, oh, <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that's how you set up your morals and your values and how you maneuver your way through life. Now, so when you process, you know, when you're going through this, you know, we don't hold on to it forever, right? Um, again, you know, it's that thing of, okay, well, you have two different adverse, you can have two different adverse reactions. So be it. Projection. They can't handle their own stuff whatever, you're dealing with it. You don't, you know, you can decide not to put it on front street. You can decide to put it on front street. It's your, how you decide to handle it. But what I will say is that it feels better when it's spoken. It feels better when it's spoken out. It feels better when you own it. Um, and it's one of those things where you you can't keep, you can't hold on to it forever. You can't. And Life is going to throw so many things at you on a daily basis. You may find something new to, tomorrow that is going to come up for you that you never knew was a thing. We cannot hold on to all of it at once. It is a skill to have. It is um, wonderful when you are able to work through these things Um but something new can come at you any day. So holding on to what's old and no longer serves you, this is what we're talking about. This is what we're talking about. Um, again, you know, like I was saying, five years ago, there were just sayings to me. There were just quotes to me. There were things on Instagram, tweets and Facebook posts. But in the grand scheme of things, these this is a life skill. This is a skill. Because every day there's going to become prize. You're going to come home from work. You're going to get a bill that you may not be able to have money for. Then you feel shame and lack of confidence that you don't make enough money to pay this bill right now. You get what you get. What I'm saying. So how could we expedite the healing on shame? How can we um, get a handle on that feeling? There's adults that go their whole life they never address it, and there's people who on a day-to-day basis, get to say, this made me feel something. Let me think about it. Let me let me address it with myself. It's your decision on how you own it, how you put it out there, but it is so much better when it's spoken, when it's said. We have to let it go. We can't go through a whole life with a big old bag full of 
these these unaddressed feelings and then they're going to come back up but you become resilient that is how you become you know that's how you know yourself better and there's something to be said when you can speak about it and you know you come across an individual who tells you it's too much or an individual who's judging you and the shame spiral gets deeper you guys you're going to learn how to stop yourself right there Perfect example, I want to go back to, to, to Facebook, you know, the whole Facebook thing. Someone could say, I don't know who needs to hear this, but your man left you because you can't cook. <laughs> I don't know. Then you're like, damn, I really can't cook. Shit, was that about me? The shoe fits, wear it, right? That's what they say. Yeah, but come on. There's a reason why they posted that too, was projection. They real happy that they can cook or something, or they're cooking for somebody else's man. Who knows? Point being is that you get better at dodging those bullets. I think about Neo in the Matrix dodging those bullets. You get better at maneuvering yourself. You get better at using shame as a tool instead of as a weapon. You get what I'm saying? Um, you have to learn to let it go. And, and, and it's something that nobody knows how to do. No one comes into this world knowing how to let things go. Nobody comes into this space knowing how to just get over it. Like, you know, no one does that. But when you know yourself enough to know you've come to a place where this thing doesn't bother you anymore, that's how you know you've learned to use shame as a tool rather than a weapon against yourself. As someone personally who's who's seen that work against me, I don't want to see nobody else do it. You know, um, Brene Brown's piece on shame TED Talk is on YouTube. It's B R E N E Brown, um, Brown like the color, and it's something that I think really opened my eyes to how I could use this as a benefit and not a drawback. And then now in the process of not weaponizing it against myself, because that's the thing, like, oh my goodness, this is, and I don't know if this has to be two parts, but you know, on the other side of that is what? What's going to happen when we don't address our own shame is that someone else is going to see those loopholes, those blind spots, and they're going to use it against us. They're going to use it to something that they could benefit from you from. Oh, I know this girl is insecure about her cooking. So I'm going to go be with a girl who can cook and then use that against her. Or I'm going to go, you know what I'm trying to say? I, I would hope nobody would go to that extreme. Um, you know, but that's what I'm saying. Someone could use that against you. You have got to know yourself. You have got to take those moments that make you feel that that tightness in your chest, that make you feel like an elephant is sitting on you, that make you feel them gun wrenching. Oh my God, I'm going to throw up. Why? Why? You know, or that fear that you get uh, I'm telling you, I think the biggest thing I could relate to really is the driving piece. The fear that I get when I get behind the wheel and I have to, um, 
look every, you know, I have to remember these steps and, and you know, I make sure I look this way, look that way, 360 view, fix the mirror, um, shift the gear. And, you know, in that split second, my mind goes, oh my God, someone come out in a split second. So I'm constantly looking at I'm not paying attention. You know what I'm saying? So that right there is the perfect, like, roundabout for me to, to make it um, make it tangible for you. Those things that make you feel that way, that you got to keep checking your blind spots, those things that make you keep feeling like you got to keep on your toes, you have got to address. Because someone will take, that's someone, that's someone can sniff that out and they use it against you. Not that everybody's going to do that, but this is how you differentiate. This is how you use shame as a tool. <sighs> I know. I felt like I had to unpack and decompress after um, after this conversation. Again, that is Brene Brown. Um, I want to, and I know that I said that I would pull a tarot after episodes, kind of like to close out and decompress a little bit. Ooh. And then we have the Eight of Swords. So the Eight of Swords uh, imagery is a girl that's tied up and she's blind, and there's some swords all around her, eight swords. And um, that could be how shame makes us feel sometimes. <laughs> shame will make us feel like the eight of swords. I feel like I'm blind, I'm tied up, and no matter, you know, I can't get out of it. But the irony is that, you know, she got all these swords around her, and the danger is lurking, and it's like she can't even see it. I mean, she knows she's in danger because she's tied up and blind, but she can't even, you know. So it's almost like it's a it's a double whammy. If you don't address that shame that you are already feeling, that you don't want to go down a spiral, then someone else notices and takes it and uses it against. It's just, oh my god, oh my goodness, you know. It's a power. You have got to empower those parts of yourself because every day, it you you never know. Um, well, thank you so much for listening again to another episode of The Healing Tapes. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate the support so much. Never in a million years did I think. I remember like a year ago recording myself in conversation and, and I'm thinking like, oh my God, I really want to have a podcast. Like I talk about it and that's like the running joke with my sister because I'm like, Every time we have a conversation, like, oh, my God, I wish I could have taken this. Somebody could have heard this. Um, now I'm getting that chance. And I just want everyone to know that you are not in this by yourself. We are healing together. We are addressing these, these um, growing pains together. And, you know, you have a support system, if not you know, anyone that you could see, hear, smell, touch right now, you have it within me when we're here. Because um, this is, I mean, just as open and vulnerable as like, I never would have thought <laughs> that I would have been on here addressing my shame. Um, so don't be afraid to step out and address yours. Much love to you.